Greetings, Game Cola faithful, and welcome to the Game Cola podcast. This is podcast number 85, and with me today we have Joseph Martin, Nathaniel Hoover, Anna Bernarski, and Shannon Hoover. Everyone introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Joseph Martin. I'm the first person that Jetty introduced, so I'm going to talk first. I write things on the Game Cola, and I do the podcasts on the Game Cola, like this one that you're listening to, if that is a good an, an indication of things. I'm done. You could go on to the next person now. <laughs> I'm Nathaniel Hoover. I'm a staff writer and editor, and I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I've also started writing the Lost Art of Good Game Design column. We'll see how long that goes. Hi, I'm Anna Bernarski, and I play video games sometimes, mostly just Sims. I'm Shannon Hoover, and I'm a staff writer for GameCola, even though I haven't written that much recently. I've been doing a lot of the GameCola YouTube channel events, so I was in the Sims video most recently. Um, and yay, first podcast. And, and this is my first podcast, yay! Well, yay. kind of. Well, first my first official, official Game Cola podcast, like monthly yes. podcast. Yeah, the podcast. It's your first the podcast. It is my first the podcast. We should start calling it the podcast, like every time it's referenced, like the necessary article. The I usually just want, like to dis, to distinguish it. I'll call it the monthly podcast. I don't know. Like I can't even think of a sentence now that doesn't necessitate the the that I could then insert it into, like... The the Game Cola podcast? Yeah, without, let's like, lay, doubling let's, it. Let's listen to the latest installment of uh, the... Ga- no, that doesn't work yeah, at all. Yeah, see, like, yeah, it, it would end up being the the Game Cola podcast. <laughs> Is there a situation? Because, like... Do you want oh, no, to listen I'm sorry, to... that would be right. Let's listen to a the Game Cola podcast if we weren't being discriminating. Oh, oh, if we were talking about, like, have you ever listened to any the Game Cola podcast? But... That's still, it's not wrong enough to be recognizable. <laughs> Dr. The Funk would know what to do here. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, for those of you not familiar, uh, you need to go watch the last Game Cola Family Game Night. We were, when we were playing Oregon Trail, um, something I noticed, I don't know, I, I probably should have looked it up at some point, but does it usually... Do it so that the trail leader is the first, is the last person to die, because I feel like that happened every single time. Hmm. I would like suspect they... that's the case, but I In the version I played, it didn't do that, but um, maybe in that version it does. Because I feel like it, how many times did we go through? We went through three times, and I feel like it happened all three times. Like, nothing happened to the trail leader. He didn't get sick or hurt or anything until everyone else was dead. Well, no one died when I was leader, so... You're just that good. Yeah. (laughs) So, Joe, did I hear tell that you wanted to talk about Mega Man X2? I did. I did want to talk about Mega Man. So, okay. I recently purchased it from the Wii U eShop. I I purchased it, and so what I like to do with the Mega Man games is instead of, like, just going straight to the internet and looking up all the boss weaknesses and which ones... You should go to first and, like, where all the secrets are. I try to just play it through once without looking anything up. As try to figure it out. And then after, I'll, like, look things up and find things and then beat the game. And so, like, I wanted to, like, talk about it because, like, I have my opinions. But then I also, like, I've only played it twice, which, I don't know, for a Mega Man game, it feels like you need to play it a lot to really solidify 
<laughs> which is weird because like most games you like play once and then you're like, well, that I understand this is how I feel about this game. But I played it like twice, one right after the other, and I had very different feelings when I was playing it each time. So I like it. I didn't like it as much as X, mainly because, I don't know, it felt like you really needed to have the power-ups to do the castle stages. Like, the ones that I didn't find, like it was, it just got to a point where it got really hard for me. Like, almost impossibly hard. That's one of the things. Okay. And also there were a couple parts where it didn't seem, mostly in the later stages, where it didn't seem some things were thought out. Like, there's one part where... I know you you're have, talking about. I know what you're talking about. Go go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, uh, this I might not be talking about the first thing, but there's one part where you have to you have to get over this big old bed of spikes. Yep. And it's like you can't see the other end, but you're like, all right, I'll do it. And if you if you have the charged up what crystal weapon, you can make a platform. But otherwise, you just kind of have to go for it, which I did because I didn't find the charged up weapon thing the first run. So you go over it, and it's like, there's the other end, and you're like, oh, okay. And then you get to another one, like, right after it, and that one you can't jump over. I was like, oh, that's false advertising. (laughs) And it's, like, right before a checkpoint, too. And so you had to start all the way back at the beginning of the level. I was frustrated about that. But then there are also just some other parts, but in that level, too, where, like, enemy respawns are, like, in weird places so that you can destroy an enemy and it instantly returns. There were a few things like that, which weren't in Mega Man X, I don't think, that frustrated the game with me. Yeah, uh, Mega Man X 2, in the Fortress stages especially, starts to get a little more of that Mega Man 2, like original NES Mega Man 2 feel to it, where you have some of the puzzle challenges in the Fortress mm-hmm. stages. Because the assumption is that you've worked with the special weapons and you know X's moveset well enough that you can start pulling off some of the crazier stunts. Um, But, you know, one thing that maybe you wouldn't have noticed is that you can freeze enemies in a crystal that you can stand on with Crystal Snail's weapon. And that's sort of the crux of the end of that one stage. Um, And then you've got the platforms where you jump on them and they change direction every time you jump on them. And you've Mm -hmm. got these enemies that are randomly spawning and falling on you and you need to somehow navigate to the top um, and beyond the top if you want a super secret secret. So it just, it, it really ramps it up without giving you too much prep earlier on. Mm-hmm. So I, I also had some, some challenges with that the first time around. It was, it was just like real like before, like I was like, I obviously I knew that like, I wasn't getting all the heart containers and I wasn't getting all the sub tanks and I was like, okay with that. And I didn't get like, cause I didn't find the, the air dash the first time around. And I think that one's, Pretty also yeah. Some just some of the power ups were like when I went back and like looked up where they were. Some of them were in some. I'm thinking of crystal snails. Yeah, well, container. So there's there's the one where you need to hop in the ride armor right, and then dash one. off the edge of this teensy ledge. Hop, fly fire your thrusters to get over there and then leap out of it and then for because the platform you're trying to get to is just slightly too far away um bring out wire sponge's weapon and then lash out to connect to the wall at the very bottom of the screen before you fall off so that you connect over it and then you start sliding down the wall and then can wall kick up to your power up yes and i'm pretty sure you can't get back from there, so you kind of need to have beaten the stage and use the exit utility, or just no, no. no there's a there's a there's a little um 
Oh, there is a platform. platform. It, it's been a little that, while since I've played it. Yeah. But yeah, there's things like that. Like, yes, technically I can do this, but who designed <laughs> this? Like in um, and, and Wheel Gator stage. It's hard enough to do it, in, but also to figure it out yourself. Like to know that you have to jump this pit, I don't know. It seemed like kind of a stretch. Well, yeah, and the trial and error involved in figuring out, is this something I can do in the first place with what I've got? And if so, what specifically do I use? And if so, am I practicing this well, or am I, you know, just doing this wrong anyhow? Mm -hmm. Um, Another one, wheel gator stage. You've got this wall of spikes, and at the very top of the wall, there's this tiny little ledge where you can technically wall kick, I think, and then you've got the heart tank on top. And you somehow need to jump up this wall of spikes, which is a little too far away from the enemies that you can get hit by and then use your invincibility frames to climb up it. So you need to do some sort of crazy air dash or you need to charge up flame. Why did I want to call him flame rooster? I've been playing X8. Um, there's no rooster in here. Um, flame, not mammoth. That's the first. Too many flames in the X series. Flame stag. <laughs> Thank you. Flame stag. Charge up his weapon and launch yourself across, and then hope you don't die on the spikes and the tiny little pixel that you have to work with. So there's a lot of ones like, yeah, okay, I, I can do this, but it's very silly. Mm-hmm. I did actually do the uh, the get hit and then go up the spikes version of that. I think I tried that several times and just found it was easier to dash over than try and lure things over to me. But yeah, I, I did like a lot of the weapons, though. See, uh, which one? Like, uh, uh, once I figured out how what the deal with Chris with the crystal weapon was, because at first, like, I just through trial and error, I just kept choosing the enemies that it didn't do anything to. So for a while, I thought that the purpose of Crystal Snail's weapon was, was to just to annoy bounce you, off en- bounce <laughs> off of enemies and do no damage. <laughs> like, every single time I tried to use it on something, it did not work. And then, but so once I figured out that you can use them for platforms, that was cool. Wire Sponge's weapon, I couldn't get it to, like, work most of the time. Like, it didn't seem to, like, do as advertised as much. Yeah, it, I think you need to keep the button held down for one thing, and I don't think it always sticks like it's supposed to. Yeah, it gets, it gets weird, like... It works really well if you're standing on the ground and then use it to pull you over. But if you're, like, moving in the air, sometimes it just, like, doesn't work. It's like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of it. (laughs) Although, you know, talking about X2, I'm thinking about this and also our poor other podcasters who either haven't played it or couldn't care less. Uh, I saw a a couple of clips from the video. I want to sit down and watch the whole thing that somebody shared with me of – the original Mega Man X and Mega Man X2 being played simultaneously using the same controller with oh, buttons with, what, two different emulators? So playing through the entire game using, you know, when I press jump, X1 and X2 both jump. When I hit fire, X1 and X2 both fire. That was And impressive. just the, the amount of practice and prep you would have needed to do to, to make that work. And, of course, they do it with style. Um, they land the crushing blow on, the final, on both final bosses at the same time. And so there are a couple <laughs> times where they just delay going into the boss chamber to help things sync up better. That Very was cool to watch. That was really cool. Or are both the games secretly exactly the same? <laughs> Well, that may be accurate for other games in this series. Um, So yeah, so that and then now you know it's time to move on to X3 and continue through that series. Oh, I did, I did really like um, 
which I didn't really notice until my second playthrough because that's sort of what it affects. But like having the bosses, the um, X hunters, the X hunters, yeah, like come in to different stages, sort of like gives you encouragement, like when you replay the stages to like do them in a different order instead of just sticking to one order. Right. Because you can be like, well, you know, if he's in this state, do I want to get him now while he's in this stage? Because it's really easy to get to the secret boss chamber in this stage. Or do I want to, you know, go and get his weakness before I confront them? So I liked that. Like how it makes lets you skip a boss battle if you get them all. So, okay, you were talking about X3 shortly ago. And I was going to mention that it's probably my favorite X game, or close to it, despite the fact that I really don't care much for the fortress stages. I really like all of the eight robot... Ma- or I'm sorry, uh, Mavericks. Let me get my ter- terminology straight. I like the eight <laughs> Maverick stages. I like all the hidden secrets and all the way that you build because there's a lot of power-ups to find. And then you get off to the boss stages, and parts of them are good, and then parts of them are... It, it, it just has to happen the same way. Like, there's this one vertical section where you're just standing on something that takes you up vertically, and you just need to kind of stand there for a while and wait for it, and there's really only one way to get through that section. So there's mm-hmm. a couple of parts like that later on where there's not much replay value. You do it once, and then you're just you're done with it. So my question, because we always need conversation topics, is is there any other video game for you all that you generally really like despite some horrible flaw or some part of it that you really don't like. The thing is, is that, like, I can think that there are, but I can't think of them at the moment. Same, yeah. I can think, I, yeah. I, I really like Deponia, even though the main character is a huge jerk. I He's will a jerk. second you on that one. Yeah. I love the world, I love the puzzles, I love the side characters and the art and the music. I just really wanted to put Rufus in a blender and keep playing his goal. Yeah, exactly. I really just do not like him. He really has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. He doesn't. He doesn't, and I keep trying to find something, but there's nothing there. I mean, how many times would everyone have ended up happily ever after if he wasn't in the game? A lot of times. I'm still trying to finish the last one, but sometimes I I have to take a break. (laughs) I just marathoned through all the games not too long ago because I had started the first one, lost the capability to play it on the computer I was playing it on, and just restarted it. Yeah, such a good game. I think uh, like the one that comes to mind now is uh, Final Fantasy Legend because... The Game Boy one. Yes. And there's two things that if you had one but not the other, it would have worked a lot better because you have both weapons with limited durability so like every single time you use them that's one less time you can use them you know like you have a limited number of uses on your weapons and there's no leveling up like if you're playing humans then you have to pay for level up items if you're playing as monsters you have to like get meat and hope that you're lucky enough to get like a an upgrade or you just permanently stay weak and eventually pay to replace them with a different character and your weapons wear out it's like you're leveling down the whole game exactly and i remember one time because like i originally played and i got to the end somehow when i was like eight and then i came back when i was like 18 i was like okay i'm gonna just sit and i'm gonna grind i'm gonna make so much money that i can buy all the weapons and it never happened 
Like the things just cost so much. The durability wears out so quickly that you can never get ahead. It sounds like you're playing the hard version of Paper Mario Sticker Star because it's like structured the exact same way except completely to the other side of you always have the most powerful equipment, whatever the game's going to give you. You don't level up and you get, you're supposed to get coins so that you can purchase more equipment that, you know, you lose it every single time you use it. So you get like a sticker and then that's a move and you use the sticker and then it's used up. And so you get money to buy more stickers but like the op- sort of like the opposite of your game, you get you collect stickers and you have collect so much money to buy stickers that you're never in a situation where you can't just get whatever you want. <laughs> like you just always have the strongest items available to you. You'll never run out, and it's, it's like it's like the exact opposite problem of that game. But Jetty, you said this is a game that you liked? Okay, and that's the thing, is I don't know why I even like this game, because the ending is terrible. <laughs> like, there's something about it that... It, it has that Dragon Warrior quality of... It's just a very basic RPG. It has all the things you want from a late 80s RPG. You know, you fight things repeatedly. <laughs> And it has that sort of like the the crystalis story where you know that there's something great here even though it's not actually in the game. (laughs) So there was always something about this game and I feel like I would probably like it in the same way that I like Crystalis or Dragon Warrior or whatever if it wasn't a nightmare to play. A game that I I love, like definitely it's one of my favorite games, but it does have like a pretty glaring flaw, would be Kid Icarus Uprising. Because it's a wonderful game. It's super fun. It's got it's like one of the rare sort of Nintendo-ish games that like has dialogue has like spoken voice acting and it's it's well i mean the mario games have mario he talks a lot it's a him mario <laughs> yes but like that's a dialogue not just oh, oh. like characters talking to each other sort of but sort of like um the paper mario series like has that sort of is sort of known for it being funny but it's like it's very funny it sounds like sort of like you're playing a saturday morning cartoon to the point where like the voice actors that they use, some of them are for voice actors for lots of Saturday morning cartoons. Um, but one of the big flaws of it is that the way you control it is weird to the point, in a sense, that it's hard to hold the system in the way it wants you to control it. I think that's any 3D DS game. But not, not, not just like the, to see the 3D effect, like to, even if you turned off the 3D effect. Well, no, I meant. 3D game, like not view it in 3D, but any, you know, your Banjo-Kazooie, your Super Mario 64, like those style of not 2D Super Mario Brothers games. Because I I had that same problem with uh, Metroid Prime Hunters, where the control, I couldn't play for more than half an hour because the way I had to hold it to make all the buttons work properly and the touchpad and everything, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, I haven't played that one, but I just remember that was like the general consensus was like this was the game's glaring flaw. Like what you had to do is you had to take the 3DS and in your left hand you'd hold it pretty much normally. Um, you had to have your thumb on the circle pad and then your I think you would use the L button. 
But then on the other one, you had to hold the stylus and use the stylus, like, the whole time. And, like, you were always using the stylus and, like, tapping the stylus. Um, And so, like, you kind of had to hold the whole system with your left hand and then sort of, like, awkwardly support it with your right hand, like, whatever fingers you didn't need to use to hold the stylus. And it's something that, like, for a while, like, you couldn't, I couldn't play for, like, more than half an hour before my hand would, like, get cramped and I'd have to stop. It's gotten to the point now where I've played it so much that I guess my hands have gotten used to it, so now it's not a problem at all. In Except you can't hold a pencil anymore because your hand is so cramped and controlled. Oh, yeah. No, no, my hand, everyone's like, what What happened to your hand? And I said, oh, Kid Icarus Uprising, and they just nod knowingly. <laughs> So yeah, that would be that I got over it, but I can definitely see how for some people it's just like I, they can't like a barrier to entry. And if you don't want to get hand cramps, I can totally see why that would be frustrating. I just thought of another game. Um, I recently played Rhythm Thief, and it's a really good game for the 3DS. But like they tried to use the gyroscope controls and. It didn't work as well as it should have. It was a bit hard to get things right, I guess. And then something else is that it it would take down your score a lot if you miss something towards the end of the song. And that was a little annoying, but otherwise it's a really, really good game. What were you supposed to do with the gyroscope, like, in terms of... You were aiming at things and then trying to hit them okay. to the rhythm. <laughs> it's, uh... That's the game that No Lynch uh, fan reviewed, isn't it? Uh, I was going to say, it sounds familiar. He's at least talked about it a ton on Twitter with Anna. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, with me. Um, No, I looked it up because I was thinking I might do a review of it. Uh, He did Rhythm Heaven. Oh, he did Harmonite. Yeah, Harmonite and Rhythm Heaven. Okay. And then he just talks about Rhythm. He likes a lot of music games on the DS. I never really, like, made that connection that that's all that he does. I feel like gyroscopes are one of those things. Because, like, you mentioned that the gyroscope controls could have been better. And I was thinking about it. I was like, I feel like gyroscope controls are something that they've been working on for a long time to the point where I feel like for, like, handheld systems, they should have figured it out by now. Because I remember playing gyroscope games for, like, the Game Boy Advance where, like, you had to get, like, a special cartridge. Like, the cartridge had, like, a little, I guess, like, a little mini sort of, like, weighted thing. Thing, and like you could tilt it there was a yoshi game that had that i wonder what it was called like yoshi tilt and something <laughs> like mobile games have that have that all the time yeah yoshi's topsy turvy maybe that's what it was called it was some like yoshi's island type game i oh, gave up this... on yeah i gave up on gyroscopic controls after after playing Sonic and the Magic Rings for all of half an hour and all of your control was tilting, you you didn't really press buttons. You just tilted and it didn't do what you wanted it to. And (laughs) Super Mario Galaxy, where you're riding, I think it's on top of the ball, like the giant hamster ball. You're either in it or on it. I started to block it out of my memory. And you need to gently tilt your controller, your Wiimote, in a particular direction, and then he starts rolling that way, and then he falls down a hole, and then you try it again, and then he falls down another hole, and then he falls down the same hole, and then a different hole, and then he runs into another hole. You, you don't have the fine-tuned precision that's sort of required for some of those really thin stretches. I don't know. I've, I've played those You're wrong. sections. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how hard it was when I first played it, but I played through Mario Galaxy a bunch of times, at least, like, 
to to the to the sixty star, you can fight Bowser. I've played I think four times now. But see, you're younger than I am. <laughs> you're of the generation where motion controls was a thing and not a thing. <laughs> I would I would say that the the manta ray sections were ones where the motion controls were a lot more iffy. The the yeah I. I played as little of that game as possible because it, it was all about the controls. The game itself was acceptable, but I could never get Mario to control the way I wanted him to. Because I think of Mario 64, I think of Mario Sunshine, kind of similar control schemes where Mario's got a certain way of moving and he's usually pretty sprightly. And then Mario Galaxy, it's like slogging through molasses every time I want to go somewhere, do something. It just, it never felt like he moved the way it was supposed to. Until he was underwater, and then it <laughs> felt kind of normal, which is bizarre because every other water – I've posted about – one of the few things that I've actually tweeted on Twitter um, commenting on the situation where one of the few games I've ever played where the water levels were the best part of the game. Yeah, I had see, some serious control issues with that game. See, I had serious control issues with not all of Sunshine, but like the latter part of Sunshine. Cause like, they, they do start asking a lot of you later on. And, like, sometimes, like, things just don't work the way they're supposed to. And I think, like, the parts that didn't work, they sort of saved it for the end. But I think it's kind of like when you don't have Flood, it's, like, really apparent that the controls are a lot less refined than they might feel like with Flood. Because with Flood, like, you know, if you miss a jump, you can hover until you're in the right spot. But then without it, you didn't. But then, like, like I'm thinking of the Pachinko machine level. The worst. Um, lots of the, uh, levels where you have to, like, steer a thing using the hoe. Equally like, the worst. Like, the last right. level, you're in the boat, and you're trying, right? Yeah. That's the last level, where you're in the boat, and then you're trying to spray yourself down the river of lava, and you can't get yourself anywhere. Like, towards the end, and, like, in all of, like, the, or is, is it the eighth? The ones that are unlocked after you beat the boss the first time, or I don't know. I think they're the eighth ones, yeah. Where it's like a special one that sort of takes place after the story, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of those like just started to randomly introduce new movement mechanics that just didn't work. Or yeah, like I... elements in the big like island place where like you start and you have to go across a bridge. And that's the first thing you have to do every single time. Is that Piaf Village? Yeah, that one. Um, the last level in it, you have all these like floating seedling things everywhere i don't remember what what are those things called like that you get on like a flower and then you blow it and they all go flying off in the wind yeah i forget what they're called dandelions they are basically dandelions i think they have a specific name but i don't remember mm-hmm. but like so there's, there's a bunch of them but like one time like i was just walking around because you don't actually really use them for anything in the level because they don't move reliably like i think there's one time where you have to use it to get a red coin and that's it. And they don't move reliably, which is, like, whatever, because it, it lo- does look kind of cool. But then, like, I was just, like, walking around, like, trying to get stuff. And I, like, accidentally grabbed onto one. Then it floated me through the stage where I subsequently died because I got, f- I guess, got flattened by the stage that I was inside of because Mario cannot occupy the same space as a solid object. <laughs> and it was that was just one of those points where I'm like, okay, guys, you didn't you didn't test this. Like, I can see why it's at the very end of the game because, and I can't remember anymore because it's been a while. But there were towards the end specifically, there were lots of sections where like they just kept throwing in either throwing in new weird 
controlling mechanics or or like being in situations where the controls like the the fact that the controls were really being supported by the fact that flood existed like the only reason that the controls are tolerable is because you have flood in a lot of situations to make up for how imprecise they are. Was that a complete thought? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a complete thought. Bravo. I feel, I feel like there were lots of commas in that sentence <laughs> that probably didn't need to be there. I think the most recent Super Mario game that I've played is literally Super Mario World. Like I've touched Super Mario 64 once or twice. That's about it. I played Super Mario 64 a while ago. It's been a while, so I don't remember. I I hear mixed things about the controls for that game. Some people are like, yeah, it works exactly as I expected it to. Other people are like, this is, like, other people are like, this is just early 3D controls. They don't <laughs> yeah. work because they're yeah. early. And like, most people would be like, yeah, because they're early 3D controls. It makes sense. But still, it's very frustrating to use them. Early, early 3D controls are not it, for the most part, allows you to do everything that you need to do. Wall jumping is still tricky, and the camera controls get you tripped up in a couple of places. But for the most part, you don't need to do anything the controls don't easily allow you to do. Mm-hmm. Like you got all those, but and you also have all those little extra things that you can do to like, like you can if you want to stay in the air a little longer, you can like do a kick, which I don't think is useful for anything else. <laughs> no, you can kick enemies. Right, but, like, don't you have to be standing perfectly still? Or I don't know. If you stand still, you punch. If you're in the air, you kick. And so you've got a a better chance of either jumping on them or kicking them if you jump kick. Maybe it was just the way I play, but if I was in the air and about to attack, I would would always end up diving, which usually wasn't a problem. I don't think it ever was a problem. Yeah, that's true. That happens. I just feel like you have to, why wait for an enemy to come up to you so that you can stationarily, or kind of stationarily kick them, or I think it's, jump into it, them. It's been a little while since I played this one, too. I think it's press jump and attack at the same time, and that does a kick. Maybe I mean, yeah, it was a while ago. Maybe I just didn't get that nuance at the time. And I, I mean, it's, it's fun to dive into enemies, so it's not like I need something better than the flying face-first into my foes. <laughs> I'm I'm such a terrible person when it comes to playing Mario 64. I don't know if I've told this story before in Game Cola, but uh, one of my favorite things to do, because I'm awful, is in the wonderful snow level, at the top of the mountain, you got the little baby penguin that you're supposed to return to its mama, <laughs> and you've got the fake baby penguin, too, that's supposed to throw you off, and you bring it down, like, that's not my baby! So... I bring down both of the penguins because I just I make it happen and boom here's here's a baby and congratulations you've adopted another baby and she's like oh thank you so much it's so wonderful I'm like haha I'm going to pick up your baby now and then I start running away and then the mama penguin starts chasing after you like my baby my baby and I just go up to the edge of the stage and casually drop him off the edge and then the mama starts you know climbing around and getting angry and I just pick up the other fake baby penguin and just hand it over like here you go <laughs> and I'm awful. Why did I marry you again? <laughs> I, I think there have been a couple times, but I feel like at least once I tried to do that, and I ended up falling off the stage. <laughs> Serves you right. Because <laughs> you have to get, like, right up on the edge, because then you don't throw it. You have to, like, let it go. Right. So you, you have to be, like, right up on the edge. And it's a nice level, so it's a little slippery. I don't remember if that section was particularly slippery. It's been a while, as I've said. I have a new question. 
Has anyone gone into a game thinking they'll absolutely hate it, but come out liking it, like, a lot? I think normally if I don't like a game, I don't play it. Well, I don't know. Out of curiosity's <laughs> sake, you play it. Yeah. I have a story, and it's called Hotful Boyfriend, and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I went to that, into that game thinking I'd hate it, but I, I ended up liking it a lot, so... I was just wondering if anyone else has done that. I did that with Castlevania, actually. Uh, a couple years back, I got on a Konami kick because I had grown up, and I, this one I have mentioned on Game Cola before. I grew up playing Gradius with my dad. It was one of the first NES games that I owned. You know, spaceships, shooting stuff, cool things. But never played the rest of the series. And then a couple years back, I said, oh, hey, Wii Virtual Console has a Gradius game or two. I'm interested to try this. Let's see what Gradius 2 is like. And I play that. And I'm like, this is good. This is exciting. I like this. This is fun. And so I was hooked. And then I played Gradius 3, and I played Life Force, and then I started finding all the other Gradius games that I could find for any system I owned. And then I said, wait a second, if this is how I feel about Gradius, I, I should look into other Konami games. There's a whole huge Castlevania series that I've barely touched. I played one and couldn't really stand it. Played two, borrowed it from somebody, and kind of enjoyed it. Didn't really get anywhere, but, you know, maybe I should get... Oh, and I played uh, Super Castlevania 4 <laughs> several times in different places, gradually making more progress every time I played it at somebody's house, but never getting to the end. So... I said, okay, let's try out Castlevania. But I didn't think I was going to like it because my experience with the earlier parts of the series were all, I think as Christian Porter put it, Robo Belmont, um, where he just does not move at all. And as we've established yeah. from Super Mario Galaxy, control is really important to me um, because it, it makes up for a lot of other challenges that might not be so good if you can actually do them the way you want to. So I was concerned about the controls being really terrible, and I'm not a, like Halloween is one of my least favorite holidays so any of the you know the gothic occult kind of themes that go in with the zombies and the ghouls and all of those other things I don't know I just I looked at it and said I will probably not like this but it turns out I'm really big on gameplay gameplay is paramount and everything else is just nice to have so I found I really like the gameplay of some of the later games uh, like Harmony of Dissonance Aria of Sorrow um, and then Rondo of Blood which I wrote a review about really enjoyed that one because that that had refined the old blocky Belmont movement um, as far as it was going to get. So I found I kind of really liked the series and was not expecting that to be the case. Yeah, what I've heard about sort of like for people who like the early Castlevania, the way they sort of approach it mentally and enjoy it is like they see it as a game where you sort of work with the control, yeah. like like uh, everyone admits, like yeah, it doesn't control the way you want it to control. But like the way they see it, it's not necessarily you know you could argue whether or not that's what the game designers intended. But like the way they see it is they enjoy like having the sort of think because like you know you've got like those slow movements. You're so you you kind of have to plan ahead of what you're gonna do. You've got your committed jump arcs and such. And they enjoy yeah. sort of like that sort of methodically going through it instead of the more, I don't want to say twitch because that seems like a little too much, but like the sort of like react as you're going along sort of style. Yeah, um, the, instead of being like an action game, it's a, okay, this, you know, Medusa head is flying at me. When it hits this point, I need to hit the button so that I know four frames later, he's finally going to have the whip out. And it's going to fly into the whip that's sitting there that I'm waiting for him to be able to move from. But, like, you can plan around that because you know it's going to take that long. And you can sort of set up 
this is when I'm going to jump, this is when I'm going to hit the button. That's like a strategy game more than it is an action game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that's like a very, but that's also like a very particular play style that you're kind of locked into. Yeah. You you have to, you kind of have to play the game on those terms. And if you're not fond of those terms, then you don't (laughs) have a lot of fun. I think that's the general consensus, even with people who like the game. It's like, yeah, if you don't, if the fact that it controls weird is is off-putting rather than like sort of like a challenge, like yeah, the challenge yeah. that you need to overcome is just sort of off-putting, then you're not gonna have a good time. And that's just like comes down to personal preference, I think. Uh, one game that I didn't think I was going to like as much as I do is Mass Effect because I do not do first-person shooters at all. I am terrible at them, and the combat controls really are built around that first-person shooter style. So I went in thinking, okay, I'm going to love the world, and I'd love to watch somebody play it, but I am going to utterly fail at this. And I find I've been doing much better than I ever anticipated I would with the game, and I've actually been able to overcome every challenge by myself. So it's been kind of an ego boost to play it and say, hey, I can play something that requires taking cover behind things and being strategic about firing a gun and not get pwned in the first round. <laughs> I think uh, I had, like, that reminds me of when I first played uh, Gradius 3, or Gradius Gradius, depending on your regional dialect. <laughs> but I had never been a huge fan of uh, shmups, like side-scrolling space shmups. You know, I had played, like, UN Squadron and, like, a few other things, and I would always just die in the first few levels because I always want to kill everything, and if I don't get to, I'll just be putting myself in such a position that I'm just going to die. So I was never good enough to be able to complete a game. But then when I... I don't know why I just sat down. I was like, I'm going to try something that I've never really done before. I was like, Gradius 3, this looks good. I've never been into shmups, let's try this. And after I was able to get over that concept of, like, I need to kill everything, I just sort of played it as it came. I was like, actually, this is pretty fun. Like, I can see why people would like this. Yeah, that was something that surprised me about it. So when I played the original Gradius, Gradius, Grodius? <laughs> Crystallis. <laughs> uh, the original shmup. It, yeah. it was very difficult. I had to rely on Game Genie to get anywhere. But it was so much fun just because yeah. of all of the things that you were able to do, all of the ways you could approach it, the different alignment of weapons that you might have, lineup of weapons that you might have, um, you yeah. know, just so many cool enemies and all of these different things. And I go into Gradius 2, and I'm looking at the pretty backgrounds, and it's got awesome music, really, really good soundtrack, and the controls feel just as good as the last one, if not a little bit better. You've got more options, different kind of weapons to play with, new enemies. It's starting to scroll all over the place, not just horizontal, you're doing vertical, and it's really neat. I'm like, wow, this is just taking everything I liked about the first game, and it's stepping it up a notch, but I'm still awful at it. I am so, so (laughs) bad at this game. And I kept scaling it back and scaling it back a difficulty level until I was at, I think, the lowest one, or maybe the second lowest one. And it just, it was kicking my butt, but I loved it because it was offering so many different ways to play the game, and there were only a couple that would let you survive, but if you messed up, it was usually your own fault. 
they weren't pulling any kind of shenanigans like, oh, you didn't see that one coming, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, it's like, no, you're just not fast enough on the trigger finger here, or you haven't quite figured out where the boss is going to shoot yet. And I think yeah. that's that's what the older Castlevania games are missing for me, because those are almost pure memorization. And, it's yeah. you know, there's a line between pattern recognition and memorization. Um, whereas with Gradius, there's a couple parts where you have to do it really perfectly, but you've got some leeway. And I was just, I was really enjoying losing terribly because everything else about the game was just pure fun. Uh, I guess if I want to throw in my two cents. For one thing, I'm very glad that I recently, like, updated my backloggery that I hadn't touched in, like, a Yay. year. Because, like, <laughs> for this particular podcast, like, it's like, have I ever played a game that's, like, has this quality for me? Why don't I just look at this list of pretty much every game I've ever played <laughs> until I find something? Um, and uh, this is the closest thing I can find. But So if you bought a 3DS when it first came out, you got put automatically put into the ambassador program, which gave you 20 free games, 10 NES games, 10 Game Boy games. So it sort of supersedes that if you didn't think you'd like it, you why would you have bought it in the first place sort of thing. So because like I just had all these games and from the most part, most of them sort of lived up to my expectations of whether I thought they'd be good or not. But one that I thought was, I didn't think it necessarily was going to be bad, as I thought it was just going to be kind of meh, was WarioWare Mega Micro Games. Micro Games <laughs> spelled with a dollar sign, by the way. Yeah. I thought it was just going to be like, okay, this is going to be a little dumb, but like, whatever, it should be a fun time waster. But like, you got in, I got into it, like, while I was playing. Because, you know, you've got, like, if you're unfamiliar, the start of the style of the game is, you have a mini game, but it's like very simple. You all the controls at most will use the D-pad and the A button, and some games will just use one. Would you like just use the A? Like you'll just press the A button at the correct time, and they're all you know. You have to do them in five seconds at most, and like you go through them and you try to complete a certain number of them as they sort of ramp up in difficulty as you keep going. And it was just, it was really, it was really addicting. Like, you just sort of, like, you wanted to get better at these, like, really simple games that kept firing off faster and faster and faster. And, like, I found myself, like, going back and, because at first, you know, you just go through to play it, you know, to complete it. And I found myself, after doing that, still going back and, like, just playing, like, the endless mode just for fun, because it was just enjoyable. And I did not expect it to be as fun as it ended up being for me. So am I the only one who's having this problem nowadays is that video games are supposed to be fun. They are supposed to be enjoyable, that this is my relaxation of choice. Yet most of the stuff I play anymore just frustrates me or is tedious or just does something that kind of is counterproductive when I'm trying to relax. Like the like new games? Games that I haven't played, because since joining the backloggery and having my entire backlog in front of me and saying, oh, I kind of got to play these games that I keep collecting and never getting around to, you know, since joining several years ago, I've almost stopped replaying games that, uh, you know, I've played. So, because it used to be, 
make an annual Chrono Trigger playing. I would play <laughs> the couple of first-person shooters that I had, like Star Trek Voyager Elite Force, No One Lives Forever, uh, the Jedi Knight games. And so I would play those about once a year, once every two years. And I'd love it. It'd be great. And it would always be fun and relaxing, and there's still new play- ways to play them. You know, I'd do an annual or semi, you know, twice every two years Mega Man marathon of some sort. It was great. And then that mostly stopped because I said, look at all these games. I need to start playing them. And I've started to make some decent progress on my backlog. But for every one game that I love, there's two games that I like. And then ten games that I'm like, I'll play this till it's done. <laughs> and I just keep running into this issue. And it's it's not any particular era of games. I'm playing old NES games. I'm playing Super Nintendo. I'm playing uh, Game Boy Advance. I'm playing DS. I'm playing uh, Wii U. Well, not Wii U yet. I have a Wii U now. Um, but playing Wii games. I'm playing PC games from all different eras. Um, so all all different eras, all different platforms. And I just, it, across the board, I keep finding games that are bothering me, annoying me, frustrating me. And that that's the entire reason why I started the Lost Art of Good Game Design column, because it was originally supposed to be a single blog post of, here are ten games that I've played recently, like in the last two months, here are ten games that I've played that have had some serious design flaw with them, and I was going to do just a quick little paragraph blurb about each of them, and I realized I can't be concise, so I stretched it out into a whole column. This is a recurring thing, and I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if anybody else is running into this kind of problem. Well, I think uh, a large part of it is just being an adult and being able to recognize these things. Whereas, you know, again, looking back at like you know Final Fantasy Legend, I just put up with it back then, <laughs> and now I can look at it, you know, objectively, I guess, and just say these are the reasons it was bad. And if they could just fix even one of them, <laughs> it would be an acceptable game. <laughs> And I don't know, like, I guess it's not something new. I think it's just something that as, uh, you know, conscious adults uh, occur to you now, you know? And, like, another thing would be, like, sometimes, like, you play a game when you were younger, and then you play it again, and you don't have as much fun. It wasn't as fun as you remember, because, like, as a kid, you were just kind of willing to ignore the bad parts just to get to the good parts. But I think another time, some other times, it's like, because you played it as a kid and ignored sort of the bad early parts of, like, learning what you had to do and learning how the game worked, which could have been, like, really frustrating. Now that you come back, you're still, like, familiar with it to the point where you've learned to work around the bad to the point where you've forgotten that it wasn't... Like, to sort of go back to, like, Mario Galaxy, like, I don't remember, you know, I played that game when it came out, which was, like, 2007? Yeah. I think, so eight years ago. And so I don't, like, I remember playing it. Like, we got it for Christmas, so I remember, like, sitting down and just playing it. But I don't remember what I thought of it while I was playing it. I just remember playing it. And now when I play it, I have a lot of fun. But, you know, eight years ago, I was 11. And maybe I just, maybe the grab weird gravity stuff was, like, really frustrating at first, but then I got my head wrapped around it. And now, when I go back and play it, I've got my head sort of wrapped around how all the gravity stuff works. And so I have a good time. But if I hadn't played it before and got to it now, would that same sort of, would, like, dealing with the weird gravity sections, would it be like, I don't get this, and just sort of give up on it? 
Because, I, I mean, I, don't, I just don't remember. That's just an example. There are other games where it's like, would I like this as much if I hadn't played it as a kid first and gotten used to the bad things, not just because nostalgia? Well, that's, you know, I think about Crystallis. And as we saw <laughs> as we saw in our End Day at the Races video, where everybody <laughs> yes. competitively tried to get to the statue first, uh, there's a lot of things that if you've never played the game before and aren't using a walkthrough, that aren't very intuitive. And I, I attribute it to it being an early RPG, early action RPG, where it was trying to throw in some puzzle elements, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I definitely remember being stuck outside the first town for a long time when I first played the game. That's another one that my dad and I sat down and started to play through together. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking around at the windmill, and I'm like, I know I can do something with the windmill. And I, like everybody else, tried to stab the keyhole to make the windmill work, and it just didn't work. Yes. But... Eventually, I started to figure it out, and this was long before the days of game FAQs and Prima strategy guides and all of that, so I had to figure this all out for myself. Game Genie was very helpful in keeping me alive long enough to figure out, oh, wait, this boss is invincible right now. I wonder why that is, Um, but you know, little by little, I pieced it together, and even though I was frustrated with some of what was going on, and I knew that there was just this big stumbling block in front of me, I was still fascinated enough by the game that I kept going. I was still interested and intrigued. I liked the gameplay. I liked the mechanics. I liked the potential of where it had to go that I said, okay, this particular part is bugging me, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to see what happens. I think part of my problem as well is as I'm getting older, I have less patience because I don't have nearly as much time to play video games. So I want to make it count. Yeah. And I've seen so much. I've played so much that it it takes a very special game to really capture my imagination, grab my attention, and get me interested long enough to overlook any of the problematic gameplay elements until I get past them. Yeah, like back when, uh, you know, number one, you only had maybe 50 games to choose from, (laughs) and... You were you didn't really have your own income, so spending another you know thirty forty dollars or whatever fifty sixty. Well, I, I guess I think of like buying a used mm. NES game during the SNES era or something. But like being able to save up your you know allowance and go buy another game, you just played the ones that you had. Like that was that was what you had available. So even though you hated it, you continued to try to play. And I've, like, going and playing some of these games again, I realize I was only on the first couple of stages. I never progressed through a lot of these games that I played. Uh, Blaster Master, I have so many memories of the first few areas, and not so much of any of the rest. I don't think I ever beat the game, <laughs> but I, I think of it fondly. And, yeah, it's definitely true that things are different now that we have this, you know, incredible, ridiculous assortment of games that are, you know, choosing that uh, anywhere from free to as expensive as we like. So it's not really worth pushing through a game that's even moderately bad in any respect. We can go find something else. I have started to become more discerning. <laughs> I I am finally starting to look at games and throw them out. Um, maybe not physically throw them out, but just say, nope, not playing this one anymore. Yeah. Well, and with the sheer number of games, I mean, you look at Steam, there are thousands of roguelikes alone (sighs) out there of not only the big studios going, hey, this one game at one time was super popular, let's make a million copies of that, but with half the budget and in 20 minutes to produce the whole thing, 
But then you also have the at-home game studios where people are creating tributes to their favorite games and then releasing them for a dollar or, you know, creating their own version of a game that they always wanted to make. And it may or may not be good. And there are some great ones out there. But then for every one great game, you've got 10 meh games and 20, why did you even bother releasing this and why did I pay 50 cents for it? So there's just too much out there and the market has become so flooded that quality has just gone down the tubes and then with the newer games you've got the mentality of we have this technology therefore we must use this technology so with every new system that comes out it's we have gyroscopic technology we must use it we have vr technology we must use it everything new that comes out people feel compelled to incorporate into the game whether it would enhance the game or not. So you have a lot of things that would be great games if they hadn't tried overly hard to make them gimmicky. Yeah. Actually, uh, going back to roguelikes, it's something that I could see myself wasting a lot of time on if I let myself, but it bugs me so much that there are so many of them, and since they're all randomly generated, you're never going to beat them. So, like, there, there is no beating. You're just going to keep playing. So which one do I pick to play infinitely? And then it just becomes, in my opinion, well, then I'm not going to play any of them. Like, if there's no point to, as much fun as it might be, I'm not going to play five minutes of every one. And if I'm only playing one, then I'm missing out. So I have trouble with roguelikes. Like, there's there are parts of it that appeal to me, but I can't allow myself to get into it. I've kind of found that with sandbox games. I used to love SimCity 2000. I used to love <laughs> using the map editors for Civilization 3 and other games that... Anything that had a map editor, I was all over that. Heroes of Might and Magic 3? Anything with a 3 in it, really. Um, <laughs> and I loved I loved making maps, creating things. I'd sit down, I'd play through them with my sister, play through them with my friends, and just test it out. And I loved doing that. And then I started to get, like I said, I joined the backloggery and started looking at my collection and saying I need to play through more of these. And I started getting out of that mindset of here's a fun thing to do. Let's just use it as a playground for a while. And I've gotten more into I need to beat this game. I need to see the ending. I need to accomplish it. So it's sort of been a double-edged sword that I'm being motivated to play the games that I'm buying. But I'm also overlooking some of the ones where I can just sit there and linger on them for a while. I tried playing Galactic Civilizations 2, and it's sort of in the same vein as Master of Orion. It's space and building an empire in space and building ships and fighting things and doing missions. And I I kind of liked it. It it has a sense of humor, and it seemed to have a pretty decently streamlined interface. And I was I was trying to do one of the missions so that it, I had that sort of built-in tutorial mode as it was keeping things very limited. And I played it for a session, and then I stopped playing and just never had the motivation to go back to it. And it's not that it's a bad game, but I was thinking, well, if I want something like this, I'll just play Master of Orion. I don't need to learn how to play it. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. There's just so much time that goes into that sandboxy thing. And 
maybe that's where the the pure fun of video gaming is is just hopping into the sandbox and playing um but at the same time there's part of me that wants to accomplish something and i i feel good when i accomplish things and that's what's driving me so i don't know i'm i've, I've sort of lost that momentum for being able to just create things and sandbox things for a while which is why it was a nice change of pace I've been playing through Mega Man Powered Up for the PSP, which is a remake of the original uh, Mega Man for the NES, and the target of my next Lost Art of Good Game design column after Uh I'm done with the one about East that's almost done. But there's a level editor, and you would think that this would be the first thing that I'd jump on, because if Capcom can't make a decent Mega Man (laughs) game, surely I can, right? So I, I sat down, and I started to play with it. I'm like, the controls are a little awkward, because you have to use both the circle pad and the touch pad to maneuver more than you use the buttons, which is just confusing to me. But I had a decent amount of freedom to do what I wanted, and I started piecing together a level. I need to go back and finish it up, but it was just fun. I wasn't playing anything. I wasn't accomplishing anything. <laughs> I was just tinkering and seeing yeah. what was possible. And it was it was some of the most fun that I've had with a video game for quite a while. I think that's where I'm at with Mountain, because I've been playing Mountain recently, which isn't so much playing as much as an experience. And I've been having so much fun just letting the game be and not needing to force myself to get an achievement or do any of these crazy things that the modern games want you to do. It's just caretaking a mountain. It's it's a landscape simulator. <laughs> but just to return to that simple joy of letting a game be, which I think we've gotten away from. I think it's also interesting because aren't they releasing like was essentially just a Mario level editor, like as a standalone game. Oh yeah. Like I think oh. it's called Mario Maker. Nice. I heard about that actually. It's I had, they talked about it I think at the I last E3. That. Says scheduled for release in September of this year. So not too far off. So it's it's basically just a level editor for the Wii U. And one of the interesting things I think is that it like lets you switch between graphical styles too. So like you can like make a Mario one like stage, but then like you can press a button and it just turns into like something like new Super Mario Brothers style graphics or Super Mario World graphics. But like it's just it's I think it's just a level editor. I mean like maybe it'll come with like some demo levels that you can play or some challenges or something, but as far as marketing goes, it's just a level editor. I mean, I hope you can play the levels that you Well, yes, yes, as part of the level editor. You get to play them. <laughs> you can just look at them. Nobody can play these. But I think that's just that's a, an interesting thing. And then, like, you know, other stuff like Mega Man fan games, I feel like kind of recently have had a sort of like a resurgence in popularity. Maybe it's because of that like officially supported Street Fighter versus Mega Man thing, but like... Well, I think it's because of all of the press that the Megapony video that Shannon and I did for the Gameful YouTube channel. I, I think that's really driving it. We started a renaissance. Yeah, that and the Ho Ho Holiday livecast extravaganza. Oh, yes. played the... Uh, Mega, Mega Man. Man Christmas Carol. Yes. That's definitely one. That's like Mega Man, the NES Mega Man at least. It seemed like I've played so many different ones, and it's just like that's, it seems really conducive to sort of, not because it's not strictly level editor, because one of the other interesting things is that you get all these different takes on what people think would be fun weapons. But like, it's very Same, like. Being the operative word. Yeah. But like, 
I've played like so many different ones where aside from adding in new weapons and bosses, it just seems like they took a level editor and made a stage. And like, you know, you've got like the consistent Mega Man always, you know, you've got the jump and shoot. And then if you want, you can throw in the slide and charge, but it's like a very consistent, very like, you can make this jump. Can Mega Man make this jump? Then it's, you know, it's a level you can do. Um, but like, there's just been, like, it's simple enough that the people just making the fan games have been throwing lots of cool little twists. Like, there was one I played called, I think it was called, like, Rockman 5 Air Slide, where in addition to just being a regular Mega Man fan game, you had the ability to slide in midair. That was Like fun. an air dash, yeah. Yeah, like an air dash. But you're sliding. But you're sliding, like, you did the slide animation. And, like, some of them that are just, like, they're not even Mega Man fan games. They were fan games of specific Mega Man games. Like, there's Rockman 4MI. I think, I don't know what MI stands for. Minus but it's like, Mission Minus Infinity. That's right. Haven't played it. It's I played it before it was finished. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, it looks like just a retooled Mega Man 4. Like, you know, it's like someone took the little squares of graphics and just moved them. And then, like, the Rockman 5 Air Slide is all using assets from Mega Man 5. Like, you know, there's a Gravity Man stage. I think you actually do fight, like, the the actual just robot masters from the game. You get different weapons. But, like, you know, there's Gravity Man. You've got, like, these parts where you're, like, falling down sections where you have to air slide into a place where it will flip you over and then you go flying back up towards the top, trying not to hit spikes. And it's just, like, I was seeing Mario Maker and I was like, I wish they would do that for Mega Man. And then I remembered that they were gonna, kind of. But they weren't gonna do it well from what I saw because that was Mega Man Universe. And it was a weird mobile game graphics style with yeah. Mega Man 2 only, basically, from what I saw. I mean, it was early enough that who knows what it could have turned into, but... You say know. Mega Man 2 only? You mean, like, only Mega Man 2 assets? Like, yeah, everything that I saw about that game was Mega Man 2. Hey, he's using Leaf Shield. Hey, there's tellies coming out of the holes in the wall. Hey, there's, you know, Heat Man. It just, well, maybe Heat Man wasn't in there specifically, but it was all Mega Man 2 stuff. Mm. I don't remember that specifically, but that wouldn't surprise me. People like Mega Man, too. <laughs> That's kind of the end of that. <laughs> what were we originally talking about? We went off on a weird digression there. Um, bananas. Well, yeah. Yeah, bananas. Like, the thing is is that we started with games that you could fix by changing one thing, and then it evolved like three separate times into slightly different topics. Which is okay. But actually, uh, we, we have two GameCola uh, fan mails. Oh, we got email. Yes. We got that email. Time to check the email. Wait. 